I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. You understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, good evening, traveler, and welcome to the Penumbra. Tonight's tale is... The Perils of Pelennor. I'm glad you're here. I was with Caroline and Angelo, and we were storming Sir Pelinor's fortress. He's an old knight, one of Sir Galahad's cohorts. When a trapdoor opened, and suddenly I... I know you were there, Tail. I am attempting to organize my thoughts. Caroline says the first test for any effective stratagem is whether one can state it clearly and concisely, and so I... Never mind. Surely that was just another quarter truth to make me do whatever she says. Hush, Tail! Now, tell me, do you see anything in this oh-so-darkened room? Do not be smart with me, Tail. You can deceive our enemies, but do not for a moment think you may deceive me. I know that you see just as well as I do. Oh, then if I cannot see in the dark, neither can you. Oh, then I could give you the eyes of an owl, and then you could see. Oh, or I could give those eyes to myself. A brilliant strategy, Tail. It is my great pride to be your commander. Now, let us see. This reminds me of the trophy archives in the Second Citadel. Do you remember that tale? When Miss Kuan Yi brought us there? <coughs> Kuan Yi says that Sir Pelinor is a known hoarder of magical items. Though as a knight, he must not ever use them. I wonder if he filled those archives himself. Yet, I see nothing here but books. And books surely not allowed in the Northern Wilds. The Thousand-Year Diaries of Mountaintop, Troll of the Southern Edge, Secret Covens of the North, Histories and Traditions of Death in... Histories and Traditions of Death in the Western Wastes. I do not know, Tail. I am afraid to hope. Nothing under Corpse Garden. Then perhaps... The Falls at World's End... Fields of Ash, Gullwall, the Glass City. No, that's too far. <gasps> the Garden of Graves. It is one page. It is one entire page, and it's true. The service provided by the sisters here is not just for the unfortunate whom they bury. The security in knowing that even in the worst case their death will not be a solitary or forgotten one has led to a greater acceptance of death across the whole of the wastes. And it speaks on their fighting arts and... I forgot about these! 
sweet potatoes on sugar snow tail. Do you remember how Sister Yano made those on warm nights? Now the abbess tried to and just got the sugar in her hair and sticky strings of it. How tea <laughs> Tilly tried to hide her laughter, but, but she never could. I've forgotten so much about them already, Tail. That awful book, those pictures of women eating rotting corpses, those, those images come quicker to my mind now than Tilly's face. Well, surely there must be more books like this. Perhaps the next we'll have two pages about my sisters. Oh, what's this? At the end it says, for more information on the Garden of Graves, please order our book, Caretakers of the Fallen, Sisters of the West, also published by Wayward East Press. What does that mean, published? But a whole book like this tale, can you imagine? We must look for it. <gasps> Those doors, it's so bright. Ooh, you're shaking now, puny. And you better be. Sir Pelinor the Preparian has his eyes on you. That's right. I did the search, and now I'm ready to destroy. Now get in here. No. What? No, I'm not coming in there. You just said you were going to destroy me. Do you know who you're messing with, little lady? I could crush your skull with one hand. I could Okay, but this still doesn't make me want to come in. You little... Looks like you've taken a shot at one of my books, haven't you? What do you think this is, a library? You think you're gonna waltz in here and take what's mine? No, I... Then I'll show you how prepared old Eleanor really is. No, no, my sisters, that book, you burned it. You think that's all I've got on Corpse Garden? Keep dreaming, Missy. I saw you coming a mile away, and I rigged all my books on those sisters of yours to do their best fireworks impression. You can bet I didn't. So if you don't get in here now... I'm coming. I'm coming, oh great Sir Pelinor. Just do not burn anymore, please. Oh, I don't think you get to tell me what to do. No, no, no. I think old Pelinor is going to call the shots today. Or you might just see what else I've got prepared for you. <laughs> well, you got something you'd like to say to me? Something I'd like to say? Oh, Sir Pelinor the Prepared, I do. You see, great knight, my comrades and I have journeyed a thousand miles to seek your wisdom, your endless knowledge, your super cool what stuff. What are you blabbing about? You, um, you, um, you You're gonna asked... bore me to death, kid. How do I look? Um, big? Yes, and? Couldn't you just use a mirror or something? Silence! Oh, um... Well, you are very big, oh great knight, and you're dressed in great black armor with horns and such, and I, I suspect it's very heavy. It is <laughs> heavier than anything you could ever wear, so... Oh, <laughs> indeed, sir knight. Why, 
I can lift so much as one gauntlet of that dark metal. No It's stone metal. Very rare. This is the most impressive suit of armor you've ever seen. Indeed it is, Sir Pelinor. And the axe upon your back. How strong you must be to lift it up. Silence! This is boring. You're boring me. Oh. Monsters just don't quake in fear like they used to. Alright, I'm done. Just look into the crystal and tell me what you see so we can wrap this up. Um, what crystal? Be careful with that. Do you know how rare a true sight crystal is? Do you know how many suckers I had to send out east to lose their minds getting that thing? Oh, uh, I'm sorry. Just put it back. Okay. Um, like this? You you, you have to twist it. Oh, I I don't know. No, not that way. You could get off that throne and show me. Oh, great sir knight. Just do it right. There. Now, look in it, BC, and tell me what you see. Um, why don't you just look in it? Are you always like this? Well, how do I know it isn't dangerous, then? Of course it's dangerous, you little... Listen, you hear that? No. That whole room full of books is on fire now. How's that do you? You like that one? How could you? They're your books. They're... Oh, I've been meaning to burn those for years now. Already read them. All of them. Because Pelinor reads faster than anyone you've ever met. And as long as I know what they say, I don't see why anybody else needs to. Pelinor is prepared for anything. Just like he was prepared for you three coming in here, trying to get the drop on him. Well, who's dropped now, Missy? And I'm telling you, like it or not, there's only one man who can stop that fire, and he's sitting right in front of you, waiting for you to do what he says. <sighs> now look inside the crystal. I know, Dale. I noticed it too. You got something in those puny hands? If you think you can pull a dagger on the Sneakster himself, the King of Connives... It is a corrective lens, O oh Great Sir Pelinor. My sight is poor in one eye. Oh, like I believe. Though, I must say I am surprised, O oh prepared one. I had thought a man of your far-reaching knowledge wouldn't know this about me already. I... Obviously, I knew that. And I even know it goes in your right eye. Left, actually. Your left eye, like I said. Just look in the crystal. Very well. Well, let us see what this true sight monocular and true sight crystal will bring. What the? Where? Easy now, easy. Thank you. I don't know how I... Sir, there's a lion behind you. Whoa now, friend. I'm sure she didn't mean it. The kid's clearly a little shaken up and a lot lost. Uh, Maybe we should table this conversation a minute. Uh, I'll see if I can't help her find a crab home. I hear you. It'll just take a minute, and then you and I can figure out this misunderstanding we're in. Thanks, buddy. Come on, kiddo. Oh, okay. What's that, kid? Your dad's William the Boat Builder. Well, that makes us second cousins. Sir, I do not know you. I've never... Don't say anything. 
Don't look behind you either. What? Listen, kid, I'm in a very delicate situation right now. How's five coins sound for you to pretend we're related until we get the hell away from that guy? Sir, I have so many questions. You're human, and he was a monster, and I just got Six here. coin, and I'll pay your crab fare home. Last offer. Sir, Accepted? I... Good. Hold my bag. Sir, your stupid plan won't even work because I'm not just human. I... What's that supposed to... Uh-oh. What did that lion monster just say? Oh, the usual. Stop, thief. You get it. I'll take that bag back now. Not until you answer my questions. Now, now, little girl. This bag isn't yours. Sounds like it isn't yours either. (sighs) Oh, now look what you did. Books? You stole a bunch of books from that lion man? He's got a good collection. Had one, anyway. Sir... That book you're holding, it says Wayward East Press. Most books do, yeah. Well, kid, I'd say it was nice meeting you, but it wouldn't be true. Please, sir. I I I need one such book. It's about the Garden of Graves and... Please! (sighs) Tail, where in the universe are we? Eyeballs? Get your replacement eyeballs here, but for socks and sockets. Kids, dinner's ready. Get in here before your abstract wants him to fear gets cold. I need a drink. Think Blake's has that new blood on tap yet? Monsters. This whole city, it's full of monsters. But that man was human tail. And if those books said Wayward East Press, then this must be the... <gasps> the monocular, it... Is shattered. Speak up. You mumble. You're always mumbling. Uh, I... I, um... Uh, That's all you saw? Uh, A city of monsters with some humans? Books? I did. And... It was amazing. Boring! And I... I've seen that one before. Look in the crystal again. What? Listen to me, Missy. You're gonna keep looking in that crystal until both your eyes fall out or you dig up something I've never seen before, whichever comes first. So get looking or else... But I can't. I I only had one true sight binocular. Say that again? I I only had one binocular, Sir Pelinor, and it's shattered. If you have another, I would be happy to look through it and... What? You had... You used... You took... Oh boy, you're in for a world of hurt now. Before, I was gonna rip you into a million pieces. Now, I'm gonna rip you into a billion. That won't really make a difference. Look in the crystal again. No, make me. You owe me. All you've done is threaten me. Oh, really? Is that everything old Pelinor's given you, you little brat? You take my monocular and my crystal, my wayward artifacts that I sent my men to lose their minds. You take all that and use it to take my peek at the universe's most secret thoughts. You're lying. I didn't see any thoughts. I only saw the city. And after all that, you're too stupid to even know what you saw? Yes, well, I bet that you don't know what it does either. Are you not getting who you're talking to? Do you not know who I am? The knight of knowledge, the genial genius. You don't know. You're stalling. I know everything, you little twerp. That's what that crystal does. It shows you something you didn't know. 
But there are so many things you didn't know that most of it's as useful as you are. Oh, now I know what some glassblower in the West had for breakfast. Oh, now I know how many balls got lost on the far hole stickball course this week. Oh, now I know the exact date and time of birth for one specific mite living on my rightmost eyelash. Oh, then I suppose I must have gotten lucky. I don't see what this monocular had to do with it. Lucky? Ha! Dumber by the second. The true sight monoculars made of the same cursed crystal. So rare you should pay me just for letting you breathe near it. And it twists the knowledge of the crystal like glasses twist the light. See? This is so boring. You're boring me. It shows you something you need to know. And it was going to show me who's going to try to kill me next. So I can kill them first. You don't need magic to know who will cut your throat, Pelinor. She stands before you now. <gasps> Olala! Thank the saints we found you! Get up, Olala. Don't give this old liar the satisfaction of your fear. He certainly hasn't earned it. Caroline, wait! He is more powerful than we thought. His armor and those flames Our and illusions. I Sir Pelinor possesses all the power of a street performer. Angelo and I have spent the better part of an hour cutting through his paper-thin parlor tricks. <laughs> I don't think so, lady. Because if that great knight, if that man blessed by Saint Aaron himself, if Sir Pelinor the Prepared was caught using some magic, no, no, little lady, you can bet it'd be a hell of a lot stronger than that toothpick you call a sword. Not the sword, you old blowhard. <laughs> oh, watch the flooring, lady. This is genuine. Black alabaster, yes. A beautiful and extremely rare stone, but a soft one as well. Very easy to cut, whether one wishes to shape it into a work of art... Hey, hey now, just what in Saint's name do you think you're Or writing? whether one wishes to carve an illusion-dispelling rune into it. Like so. Ha! No! Masterfully done, Caroline. Thank you for the tip on alabaster, Angelo. The signs Quan Yi taught me are much more effective when presented theatrically. And what theatrics? One could almost believe you enjoyed it. Sir Pelinor, why, that isn't a knight at all. It's an empty suit of armor. Pelinor's armor, in his glory days. Though if he's made liberal use of that wayward crystal, I doubt he looks quite so impressive now. Wayward geodes, though beautiful, are very often flawed. The silver streak in this one, for example, striking but impure, and so sloppily cut to boot. Tut tut. And in handling magical objects, sloppiness always comes at a price. Doesn't it, Sir Pelinor? Ooh, you've gone and done it now, lady. You think you're pretty tough, I'll bet you do, but you aren't the first troublemaker old Sir Pelinor the Prepared will show that when you mess with the bull- Caroline, uh, there's someone behind the throne. You get the lance in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Saints, what is that? Oh, dear. Oh. Is that really Sir Pelinor? Oh, you best believe it, Missy. Oh, nobody can lay a finger on Sir Pelinor the Prepared, the knight with the might. <clears throat> How is he alive? By the same wretched magic that put him in this state. Look closely, Olala, lest you make the same mistake one day. <clears throat> Begads, the man's been cut to ribbons. Worse. Look at this wound on his face. You can see clear through him where his eye and brain should be. And his fingers, half his palm. His leg looks as though someone's taken a cut for dinner and left the rest. But what, significantly, is missing? Blood. 
Precisely. From here I can see his muscles, his bones. I can even see inside what's left of his heart. But there is no blood, because no blade took this flesh. That must be the price of looking into that crystal. Every glance robs a piece of your body. A strip of skin, a shard of skull, taken one bite at a time. And you are kept alive by the same awful magic that tears your body to bits. Now that he hasn't many bits left, I imagine he plans to make us look in the crystal for him. Isn't that right, Pelinor? You don't scare me! I'm prepared for anything, lady! Anything! <coughs> he did not seem prepared for that. Come here, old man. <clears throat> oh, do be careful with him, Caroline. That kidney looks like it might fall out of him. Now, Pelinor. Unless you'd like me to remind you what a real wound feels like, you will answer my questions. To start, what is Galahad planning? Sir Galahad! <laughs> that weakling! I could snap his bones between two fingers. Give me half an hour, and the Prince of Preparation could flatten that over <laughs> You were saying? Don't know. I haven't talked to Galahad in twenty years. You're lying. This fortress is crawling with wayward artifacts. The risk of storing them, let alone obtaining them, is too large to be a whim. You're preparing for something. Of course I am. I'm Sir Pelinor Don't the- say it. Okay. He said that someone is going to kill him, Caroline, but he did not say who. Well? Why wouldn't they? You see all this stuff I've got? You know how rare some of those books are? Of course someone wants to kill me. Who? Uh, you! Have you received any threats? Or did you see this threat in your crystal? Perhaps someone with the moniker, The Kite? Ooh, now you're making things up just to freak me out. No, 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 you won't get me that way. Cause Pelinor is not paranoid, he's just positive everyone's trying to kill him. And there's a difference. And the difference is? Oh, uh, well, um, uh, well, could you repeat the question? Caroline, I do not think this man knows what he is saying. It seems not. No, no, no! Useless. Like the rest of these old fools. Sir Pelinor the Paranoid. So afraid the world is coming to destroy him, he's destroyed himself first just to beat them to it. Come, we're leaving. But he was our last lead, wasn't he? What would we do next? I don't we know. No one... I'll come up with something. Caroline, in that crystal, I saw this place and it... Not now. But, but I believe it is very important because Does I this saw... seem like the time to you, Olala? We are leaving now. This place is dangerous. I never should have brought us here. Angelo, the crystal. Right away, Caroline. My crystal! Oh, you'll be sorry for this. Oh, boy, you'll be sorry. Uh, I'll bet you think I lost this, don't you? I'll bet you think old Pelinor's down for the count. But this is just another part of my plan. Because nobody but nobody gets the last word except Sir Pelinor the... Ugh. Olala, it's quite late. I would have thought that between setting up camp and outwitting Pelinor, you'd be tired by now. Well, everyone else has gone to sleep, and I will be joining them soon. I had hoped I might give you something before I do. 
Alhamdulillah. Oh, have you decided that I may speak now? I wasn't sure if this was the time. Well, I suppose I deserved that. I found this near Sir Pelinor's chamber when Quan Yi and I were clearing it out. Here. I don't want any... Histories and traditions of death in the Western Wastes. But Sir Pelinor burned this book. I, I, I saw him. I saw him do it. One of his priceless treasures? I think you could take the man's head before he burned one of these. Another of his many illusions, I'm sure. But it was written in the Wayward East. And you said that everything from there Quanyi is... assures me it is safe. As she likely could have done with the monocular you stole from Pelinor's caravan. And as I should have asked her to. That was a mistake on my part. <clears throat> May I sit with you? Okay. Here, Gawain. I lost my sisters as well. Have I told you that? No. You never talk about... you. I don't think our relationship was quite as close as yours with your sisters, but I had... fond feelings for some of them. The ones who treated me well. Do you need some water? What? No. Or to relieve yourself. Ew! I've only told this story once before, and I expect I will tell it much the same way tonight, all at once. I would rather not stop partway through. Only once? Angelo knows pieces of it, but only Quan Yi knows it in full. May I begin? I will go mad if you do not! Please, Caroline! Please. <laughs> Survival is a constant struggle in the frosts. I say that not to excuse those in the story, but because it is always what I remind myself when I think of the people my parents must have been. They sold me, as an infant, to a hunter, a capable blade for hire who bought many children like me from the poor, the desperate, those waiting for death's rowboat across the glacial sea. He trained us to hunt, and if we did well, he too sold us. I did very well. He certainly made the prospect of getting far away from him an appealing one. It must have been excellent business for him. Starvation regularly claims entire villages in the frosts particularly in autumn, when the monsoon winds from the north blow south and freeze to relentless snow. Quan Yi and I once weathered a blizzard for 47 days. The woman I was sold to claimed to remember a 200-day storm, though that has always seemed a suspiciously round number to me. I would not be surprised if she made it last that long herself. She was a witch. They requested a child, and so I was sold to a coven at six years old. The older children said that the witches would likely cut me open and strip me for parts before long. The hunter agreed. Then he took the witch's money and left me with her, alone. The woman who bought me did not say a single word as we rode to the witch's camp. She was old and terrifying and beautiful. In my memory, she was larger even than Angelo, dressed in layers of fur and a walrus tusk crown. Nothing pulled the sled we rode on, and yet I saw paw prints of a massive bear appear in the snow before us as we went. At some point I fell asleep. Even afraid as I was, the witch's furs were warm and her body soft, and I could not resist long. I woke to the sounds of creaking boats in a camp beside the southern sea. 
None of the witches came for me till evening, which was just as well. I'm certain I would have attacked them if they had. Then, as the sun set, the witch who bought me opened the door to my shack, and I heard her voice for the first time. Dinner, she said, her voice a graveyard whisper, and she left without looking to see if I would follow. I did, in the end. My time with the hunter taught me that fear may pass of its own accord, but hunger only grows unless dealt with. All plates were empty when we reached the shack where the witches ate. There were seven of them in total. The woman who brought me there sat me beside her at the table. Somewhere, a bell tolled. The witches raised their knives and frost-burned fingers. The woman beside me looked down at me and smiled with jagged yellow teeth, and I was certain I had made a fatal mistake. <laughs> then the bell tolled a second time, and the seven witches began busily to carve and pick and chew the air above their empty plates before them. You will not eat? The witch beside me croaked. I asked her if this was some trick. She shook her head and then touched a cold blackened finger to my eyelids, then my nose, then my lips. When I opened my eyes again, I saw and smelled the grandest feast I had ever seen. Eat, she said. And now her voice was clear and powerful. So I ate my fill of venison dripping with fat, of roasted roots and brine, of bowls overflowing with warm soup and thick cream. It was the most delicious food I'd ever tasted. It still may be, at that. In the morning, I awoke hungry. In the hunter's care, I'd become very familiar with hunger's many shades, and felt sure that this was a clawing two days' hunger, as if I'd eaten nothing the day before. And I remembered how that dinner ended, with each of the seven witches coming up to me, showing her teeth and nodding. The witch beside me said, we will see you for dinner tomorrow, and then left before I could answer. The thought of running away never occurred to me. Even as a child, I knew that on foot the snowfields meant certain death. But I knew, too, that if this hunger went unchecked, I would certainly starve. And thinking on those witches' teeth, I felt certain I knew their plan for me when they began to starve. So I decided I would keep them full, if that was my only means of survival. I hunted through the day and caught a fawn. That night I handed it to my captor, and she thanked me, and as we ate our illusory meal again, I could see through the window, in the snow, the carcass of the fawn I'd hunted. And though none of us ever touched it, it was stripped clean to the bone by the meal's end all the same. The witches whispered among themselves more than they had the night before, and in the morning I was less hungry than I had been. And so this went for several years. My abilities as a hunter grew, the witches spent their days in silence, meditating on the shore or in the sea of frosts, and though it soon became clear that they had never intended to eat me, I worked hard to feed them all the same, for as I fed them, they grew more talkative come dinner time. The witch who had brought me there was named Sylvie of Hiberna. By Sylvie's account, this coven was very old indeed. The oldest witches of Hiberna had lived long enough to see the start of the last human monster war, and before then the cities of humans and monsters, and before then beings we might not call human or monster at all. They aged only when they used their energies, which, in my experience, was only when they ate and spoke, and very rarely laughed. I never learned their secrets, but then I'm not certain they ever planned to teach them. Not even Quan Yi can accomplish what I saw the oldest of those women do, nor did I ever learn their purpose, the reason they bore such aeons in their meditative slumber. 
the few times I asked Sylvie. Her answer infuriated me. The work can only be done if you live to do it, she said. But what that work was, I never knew. You will excuse me if I say little more of Sylvie and nothing of the others. Our relationship was entirely transactional. I was their hunter, not their family. There was love in it, but conditionally so. I gave food, and they gave shelter and care. I kept the freedom to act as I pleased, and they kept their privacy. But you couldn't leave. Is that truly... Love? (laughs) It is always difficult to explain to others. I've never told Angelo this story for that reason, but that is how I felt. The terms were simple and they were clear. I, I felt security in that. And perhaps it wasn't love. Perhaps I was their captive, and I imposed upon their silence a meaning I could bear. It hardly matters anymore. None of the witches of Hiberna still lives to correct me, and so I'll interpret my few memories of peace as I like. What... what happened? I returned from my hunt one day, and six of the seven witches were dead, killed by marauders from a nearby village after a particularly powerful storm. I tried to kill one of the intruders and came closer than a girl of twelve years had any right. Impressed, their leader, I can hardly remember his name, he and his men starved to death in a blizzard less than a month afterward, told me I had some promise with a sword, and I was brave, and he would spare me and train me as one of his own, but only if I could keep up, and if I proved to him that I was these witches' captive, not their apprentice. Then they brought her out, Sylvia of Hiberna, beaten and bruised driven to her knees, yet still taller than any of them. She looked at me. We did not speak, and I slit her throat. Caroline. I've nearly finished, Olala, if you would. The look she gave me. At the time, I was certain I knew what it meant. I felt its meaning off her in waves, the same meaning she'd told me many times before. The work can only be done if you live to do it. There are days now when I'm not so certain. Perhaps it was the beginning of a strong survival instinct. We were outnumbered ten to one. I was a child. Sylvie's death was unavoidable, but me... (laughs) I think often lately of what she said to me. How absurd it seemed to me, as a child, that these women lived ages to accomplish some work they would not even name. Yet here I am, surviving above all else. And to what end, I could not say. Which is to say, you've every right to want a home for yourself, Olala, and I have not taken that desire seriously. It does not come naturally to me. My life has always been focused on survival. At times, I think I'm most comfortable a hair's breadth from starvation. It is certainly when life seems simplest. But that does not excuse my behavior. I apologize. Thank you. You said the witches showed you their teeth after your first dinner. Do you think they were just... smiling? Sometimes. But it took me a very long time to think of that possibility. Our pasts are the only guides by which we may translate the present. I had not seen many friendly smiles before that first... home. Home. Where do you think we will go next, Caroline? I am not certain. To be honest, I wish it were not my decision to make. Really? But why? 
You always make our plans. Not always. But for several years now, yes. Do you remember when I asked Angelo to lead us? Yes, but soon after he went away. His instincts were sound, but inefficient and expensive. By the time we caught Sir Bedivere, we hadn't money for food or provisions. And do you remember when Quan Yi led us? Yes. Within an hour, we were nearly lost in a dimension of eternal pain. And Ale? No. Precisely. He refuses. You said you knew how to hunt him. I just bring the sword. I left my position as captain of the guard certain I could never be trusted with power again. And now I find that I am the only leader who can keep our group safe and alive. Cruel joke. Couldn't you all work together? We have. I've tried. But ultimately they look to me for the final decision. Well, what about if... Uh, what about? What about me? What if I decided where we go? Oh, la la. I could come up with our next plan, and you could help me make it work, and then... Well, I... Oh, la la. No. Holding five lives in your hand, it's an incredible responsibility. It would not be fair to you or to them to put that responsibility in the hands of a child. I'm not a child. I am 13 years of age now, along with who knows how many thousands of years before that. And if nothing else has worked and you don't know where else we should go, why not try it, Caroline? One day. I am certain that one day you could take the reins, and I will be excited when that day comes. But it is not today, Odala. I am sorry. So you don't have anywhere to go, and even now you won't help me find a home. You must be safe first. Several times in my life I have become comfortable somewhere, only to find that I must run again before long. Trust me, Olala, it is far less painful to never become comfortable at all. But... It is not easy. But the day will come. I promise you. Now, I think I will retire for the evening. Good night, Olala. I don't believe I ever told you what I saw in that crystal, Caroline. You didn't look, did you? Are you injured? What did it take? Just this. You may recognize it. You... <laughs> well, it seems I may have taught you more in deception than I'd bargained for. And what did you see? I saw the wayward east. A city full of monsters, but not only monsters. Humans, too. And everyone had these beautiful homes, and there was a market with a canal and such beautiful blue water, Caroline. Something shone in it, far away. And the books, about things I've never seen before, and my sisters, probably, and and there was a man there, a human, who, who saw me with my tail and did not scream. He, he didn't scream. Well, that sounds like an excellent place for you. We'll go as soon as... And I saw Sir Galahad there. I saw Sir Galahad in that city of monsters, Caroline. So if you insist we must fight him again, then that is where we must go. If you've enjoyed this tale, please consider donating to the Penumbra on Patreon. 
Our artists work tirelessly to bring you these stories, and if you have the means, we hope you will support our efforts. Every dollar helps. You can find that page at patreon.com slash thepenumbrapodcast. If you support us on Patreon at the $10 level or higher, you'll receive access to commentary tracks like this one from actors Marge Dunn and Leslie Drescher and co-creator Kevin Vibert. Truly the worst age. Because, uh, uh, you know, that's like the so seventh far. grade, right? You know, if you yeah. think about it in contemporary times, it's just the worst. You're hormonal. Mm-hmm. You've lost your freedom and imagination. You, like understand social cues oh it's terrible you have to conform but you're super weird right right. it is certainly the age at which i was most miserable yeah i will say yes yes um but we get to see uh ola and caroline's dynamic it's obviously like it's changed a bit because suddenly it's however did you know that the penumbra has merchandise for sale it's true The Penumbra has partnered with DFTBA to bring you posters and apparel, as well as soundtracks for seasons one through three and videos of our live shows. Just go to dftba.com and search for the Penumbra podcast. We would like to give thanks to all who support us on Patreon, but especially to Silent Interim, June Gishoku, Faith Williams, Kit McLaren, Aaron Ritson, Don't Stop Her Now, the patron named I, Kevin Middlename Vibert, do solemnly swear that Angela will hup 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 right into Ale's heart. Also, happy birthday, Voke. Liv Allen. Alice the Time Lord. Aaron. In memory of Spiral Opal. Elizabeth Dunn. Michael David Smith. Every time Sir Angelo appears, my heart grows three sizes. I still miss Damien, though. This Sunday, 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 Pelinor the Prepared versus Swolala. Rachel Attaway. Beth Barazza. The Simp of the Second Citadel, Ollie Nexus, PJ and their Discord adventures, Caroline Seidman, Radia Salna, I canonized Butch Vicky in my published thesis, a sentient can of soda formerly known as Jay, Karen ZH, Sir Pelinor is like Snap into a Slender James, Red L, Genetic, NB Shaper, Menchowski, and Jamie Gunter for their incredibly generous contributions per episode. Thank you. This tale, The Perils of Pelinor, was told by the following people. Marge Dunn as Olala, Leslie Drescher as Caroline, Bob Musset as Sir Pelinor, M. Sutherland as Angelo, and Stuart Evan Smith as the book thief. The Penumbra is created and produced by Harley Takagi Kaner and Kevin Vibert. If you wish to know more about our ever-expanding, infinitely creative team of artists, musicians, editors, designers, and managers... You can read about them in the show notes of this episode. I'm afraid that is our time for today, dear traveler. We hope you will join us again soon.